0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geek's Camp, the home of RPG goodness and General glory My name is Zach, and we're doing a special creator interview today. I have Kyle in the house with me today. Kyle, How are you doing?
1: Hey, man. How, how are you doing, everybody? I'm doing really great, Zach. It's been, you and I talked a little bit pre-show, but it's it's been an exciting and busy time for me i know it's been an exciting busy time for you too
0: yeah it's been uh it's been a nuts few weeks um lot it's right in the middle of con season right so that that yep. means everybody's running six ways six, six different directions and sometimes parallel um and then in the middle of all that we still got kickstarters going on and you've got kickstarters going on we were chatting about yes. you getting sick and that's the time for that too so there's it's it's it is the season. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. It's- one of those things where I'm like, I don't have time to be sick, and like your body doesn't understand that. And you're like, Come on, man, just be sick later. Just, just yeah, can we push this back a little bit?
0: No, yeah, I, I, yeah. oh man, I feel that so hard. Yeah, it's been, especially <laughs> the last two weeks, I've been like, Just body, if you can just hold out for me for, for a few <laughs> just, more days, just, just uh, two more days, I'll take care of you just, later. Um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so your
1: body's like i need water a oh, water and fruit food, and sunlight sleep,
0: sunlight yeah just 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 or maybe nothing for a few days how about that like <laughs> let's just let's just stare in the dark like for a while
1: yeah it's just <laughs> you're like best i could do is caffeine and two hours of sleep buddy. that's right yeah what, what, what can i get for that
0: yeah that's
1: it <laughs> oh my gosh uh
0: yeah okay cool well, well so we're chatting today, kind of the, the impetus for it, the reason that we're coming together, um, or maybe the excuse that we're we're coming up with to come together is that you have a project uh, that's I launching do. on October thirty first.
1: Yes, so. uh, we are launching our brand new Kickstarter for a game called "You Have Always Lived in the Lighthouse," uh, which is a narrative driven two player RPG um that i have been working on for quite yeah it's it's i've been working on it for quite some time so i guess maybe this is a good segue to talk a little bit about like why we make certain games or why we play certain games mm-hmm. um but one of the things that i consistently got in feedback from all of my previous titles right whether it was after the rain or a fear within which you can get on world of game design uh <laughs> shameless shameless self-plug yeah. um yeah, but I I think the biggest impetus and the feedback that I had gotten so many times from so many different people who had played the game was, we love this, I just can't get a group together. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems to be a reoccurring theme and a reoccurring motif from a lot of my friends who play RPGs. It's not like, ah, we had to cancel session, ah, somebody bailed, ah, I don't want to have to do, I don't want to have to get two people, oh man, it's so hard to game if it's not just the wife and I. And I was like, I could just make a two-player RPG and we could just fix that right. and we could just fix that issue Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it came from, so I we had designed um, a two-player RPG for the level one game anthology this past year that got the any nomination which was super cool, mm-hmm. um, called Vessel, and I was like, I, I really think there's an untapped market for two-player RPGs um, that don't have a game master necessarily where it is a, it's sort of a, a rule system and a toolbox for shared storytelling and that's really what um spurred this on and the other thing was (laughs) i don't know if you've ever done this act where like someone's like i bet you can't do that and then there's that little lizard part of your brain that's like really yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) so
0: yeah let let's just see about that let's give it a let's give
1: it a go (laughs) yeah um so somebody was like i I bet you can't make an rpg um, about go fish um and go fish was literally kind of how that the rule system started it's not Um, go fish exactly anymore but it is very reminiscent of that sort of like what kind of cards are you looking for um to sort of build it um and i just love the idea also there's that dumb dad joke part of my brain that was like go fish it is a game about lighthouses and sea monsters and i was like that's just it's it was too funny to pass up so
0: oh yeah oh yeah um geez there's there's like so many cool things to talk about there i love the idea like like there's some very weird mechanics out there, right? And some mm-hmm. very cool mechanics as well. Like one, obviously one that's for solo games is the Jenga tower uh, that yeah. gets utilized heavily um, which in a, it for good reason. Um, and and of course, playing cards and all sorts of things to to generate things even for bigger groups. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a fascinating discussion there. Um, walk backwards with me just a second though. Two player non GM. Yes. And, and 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 just for the sake of having a discussion, one GM, one player, I think that either one of those where it's just you and another person sitting down and exploring. Really, I've done a, some of that just in the sense of, you know, sometimes not everybody can make a session and you mm-hmm. and one guy shows up to your to your discord chat. You're like, well, what do we do? Um, so I've definitely found myself doing those one one player solo one shots sort of a thing. Um, yeah, and I almost find that like that like mono imano creates an intimacy or a or like it's a shortcut to getting. To the good stuff. To the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? It
1: does, and that's. I'm glad you brought that up. So I. So obviously, vessel the first one I designed was. Uh, you shared GM duties basically. Hmm. Um, so somebody set the scene, and whoever was setting the scene played as the was the character in that scene, and whoever wasn't setting the scene, they were the GM and the NPCs. They determined difficulties and checks and conflicts. Um, and I I liked that system, but um, this is something I I talk about a lot and not just here but in pretty much every interview i've ever done or whenever someone's like how does your what informs your design is i design about relationships um i think that to me is what makes rpgs interesting right like i don't really care about dungeons and dragons combat system but i really do care about the relationship between characters um and what i wanted was a system where it felt like there was a shared onus to not game master necessarily but to build on it and so The push and pull of our system um, is when you play a set of cards, depending on the type of set that you play, you get to either add a conflict, a major element to the story, um, or a detail to the scene. And if you're looking for a specific card and they don't have it, you have to ask them a question about what their character is doing, their motivation, something like that. And that kind of helps build. Um, So you're either creating elements in a story with these sets of cards, or you're resolving elements of the story from existing sets that the other player has already had already done so like if you if you lay down a thing that's like oh like this set of cards and our lighthouse is on fire then maybe throughout our story as it's going on i'm like oh man at in a later date we've done two or three scenes together i'm resolving that conflict maybe i'm the creature and you don't know if you can trust me um and i save you from the burning lighthouse and maybe our last scene is us watching as it burns down the sun rises and there's just the two of us like on the ocean and we're together there's a friendship that has formed at the end of this game i want i just i love the idea of it like you said we get to the good stuff faster mm. um and i wanted to get to the good stuff faster so there is no gm necessarily it's literally just an ongoing conversation between two players as they add and resolve elements to the story until you've added or resolved enough elements that the game ends and so you you realize that with every detail you're adding and every detail that you're resolving you're building closer to the end of the story. So there is like a timer that you're playing against and you're like, man, what can I do with this time and with this mm-hmm. relationship before it finishes? And I liked that. I wanted to get to the good. I always want to get to the good stuff. I, I'm yeah. like, I don't want six campaigns to be here before I figure out what drives your character. Like oh two gosh. hours, let's no. go. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, please, let's not do that. Uh, that's a big thing that we talk about actually on the show is like like, there's, there's an aspect of, Almost like an accepted idea within certain facets of the community that we're going to be bored for two hours until we get to the exciting thing, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of what then the GM feels and comments on and is frustrated by is that the players aren't engaged or they're checking their phone or they're blah 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 blah, right? Right. Or they're or they're doing you know the uh, Leroy Jenkins thing, right? And all those things are just a communication often that we have yet to get to the good stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and we're just killing time. A couple of things that you talked about, though. So, um, uh, on the flip side, right of of getting to the good stuff, and I think that that mono mono or journaling RPGs or other things like that can get to good stuff faster because you're like getting to the root yeah. of it. On the flip side of it, though, a lot of the RPG community would say that there's too much of a focus, and you use two words here, which I actually really I, I honed in on, which is storytelling. And conversation, right, um, those are almost like danger zone words to some extent, right because often yeah. often they communicate we're not really worried or we're, we or maybe we don't even have mechanics or objectives, and then the flip side of what you said, you talked about conversations, the storytelling, but you also said the words resolving and timers mm-hmm. um and to me, this is where we get really fascinating because I'm definitely on the side that, like, when we sit down to play a game, even if it's a narrative game, I want there to be, I want, I want the game aspect of it to have some bearing. I want to know, yes, how do not, not how do we kill the thing or whatever, or how do we win, so to speak. But, but what what are we both trying to achieve here uh, when we sit down? And it sounds like to me that when you use words like resolving or timer there is an objective to you've always lived in a lighthouse
1: and there is right and i I actually i'm gonna i'm gonna take what you said i'm gonna redefine it because i think what you're talking about is focus yes right we as a store, as somebody who likes games there has to be a focus right Mm -hmm. and i know that you've probably been through this i have been through this where we've had a meandering rpg that lasts for five six seven hours and you're like we have accomplished we did nothing nothing yeah. that matters right yeah. um and so there is a goal now it is up to the players to define what that goal is certainly um and there are some rules and some framework without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of you know how lighthouse functions um, because it's going to be a difficult to do that when you're all aren't, aren't sitting you're looking at the rules and and be part of i think the joy of that game is discovering how you play into those systems yourself um, there is a timer and there is the ability to add and resolve elements because I want there to be focus, um, right? Truly, like we, bo- we boil role-playing down to its base elements. Role-playing is a conversation yeah. um, between you, between yourself, between the other players at the table, between your GM, between the challenges that GM puts in front of you. Um, but role-playing is a conversation. And for me, the big thing was, A, how do I get two people immediately invested in the conversation Immediately invested in the other person's character and the other person's motivations. And then, see, how do I put that in a timer? Because, so, and this is my goal for almost all of my games. If you're going to play a game that I've made, you can breeze through it, but everything I make is designed to be done in two, three hour sessions. Hmm. Because in my mind, two, three hours is about the amount of time that an adult uh, like a serious working adult can 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 give to a role playing experience. So if I'm not giving you that in two three hours, there's there's a problem in the design, at least from my perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so focus was the big the big watchword when I was making this and when we were play testing it. Um, I, I wanted people to get invested in these stories, resolve these elements, add cool stuff, and really discover what makes their their creature and their keeper, which are the two uh, perspective roles in the game, tick. But it really, it needed to have a focus. There needed to be a timer. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm like, that was literally one of the biggest, most important things when I was doing it. It was like, if we don't have a focus, uh, this this experience is going to fall apart. It's going to feel meandering. It's going to feel way too nebulous and way, and way too much. Like it needs to have something. Um, and there are elements too that add a little bit of uh, extra conflict if you need it. Um, I think we provide like, so we call them schemas, but they're essentially just like, campaign uh like summaries Hmm. so without letting people get too deep into the weeds but being like here's a potential reaper or creature here's a potential keeper here are their conflicts here's why they're at the lighthouse and now it's up to you to kind of flesh the rest of it out and again we did that for the focus aspect of it so let's park
0: so you just talked about the creature and the keeper let's park Mm -hmm. just a second on we kind of got into themes and ideas and you had that you had a you know you had the um the challenge of starting with Go Fish and, you know, a, a mono-e-mono feel. Like, those are those are all, like, wider ideas here. Let's zero yeah. in for a moment about sure. what is, what can people expect when they get You Have Always Lived in the Lighthouse in hand? What is the game? Is it one person playing as the, the eldritch creature and one player is playing the keeper of the lighthouse and it's just the interaction yes. between those two people?
1: That's it. That is the, that, and you, you've summarized it beautifully in one sentence. It is the relationship and the conflicts that arise as a result of that relationship between the keeper, who is the person who has, who is quote unquote, has always lived in the lighthouse. Um, If I can mic drop my own (laughs) name. Um, And then uh, the creature who is obviously a a being from beneath the waves who has come to the lighthouse um, for some reason. Now, Part of oh sorry no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say so let me ask that 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 bears the question what is that reason like what is the or you you mentioned like several different schemas different ideas like what is potential areas of conflict or interaction sure. for these two these two beings
1: so one of the things that we use in Lighthouse or the thing that we use in Lighthouse there's no dice uh, it's just a standard deck of fifty two playing cards and the way that character creation works is pretty simple you flip a card um and the number Uh, defines why you're at the lighthouse and the color uh, gives that an emotion Hmm. so for example if i pulled like a black three um, i might be at the lighthouse because of a loss um, and that loss then is defined by that number it could have been the loss of a family member a friend a loved one could have been the loss of something that's deeply personal or even like psychological the loss of your confidence maybe Hmm. um, is the reason that you were forced from wherever you were to the lighthouse right Um, And we do that in character creation because when that conversation starts, you want to know what's driving your character um, immediately. Uh, Same thing for that creature, right? Was it Curiosity that drove you to the lighthouse? Um, You know, one of our uh, cover art for the game done by the very talented Red Shimada is this giant anglerfish, and it looks very menacing, but uh, that's a creature from one of the schemas. And it really just showed up to the lighthouse um because it it was like ooh bright shiny light what does bright shiny light do Uh, to the despite the fact that it looks really menacing it's there because it's like i have a bright shiny light that's a bright shiny light right we could be friends um so curiosity could be a reason that drives a creature to the lighthouse so we have it separated between curiosity and desperation um and the different aspects of what that might look like right um that anglerfish derpy as it might sound Um, is very different in terms of curiosity from one of our playtesters who played this like eldritch abomination that was like a scholar of the Mm. world above the waves and was very interested in learning about them. Um, There was uh, one of our playtesters was a character who was driven out of the depths by a bigger, more terrifying eldritch creature. Um, And the relationship between them and the keeper became a relationship of survival as the two of them are like, what do we do against this impending disaster? That is this other being, right? Uh, and so we bake that focus literally into character creation before that conversation even starts. Um, that sounds to me like
0: like the atmosphere, the genre also will kind of be discovered along the way. In the sense mm-hmm. of you know, depending on the motivations and reality of the keeper and the and the creature, you could have a, a comedic sort of conversation or evening or if, it's, mm-hmm. if, if the motivations just are askew just right, it could feel very suspenseful, tense, horrific, things of that nature, it's that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's you need to know on the head. And again, that's part of the joy about the game, at least from my perspective and why I designed it the way that I did, was those ideas, those themes, what you think is important in that game are going to evolve and take shape throughout the play. Mm-hmm. Um, two of our playtesters, uh, God love them, they're both professors. <laughs> And they over in in uh, Georgia, and their their playtest campaign. So like their lighthouse was like um like a North Carolina lighthouse. So it was like almost right. like halfway between marsh and ocean. Yes. Um, and they, the, the creature and the keeper both at the end of that game, I'm, I'm listening to it to like do the playtest feedback and incorporate it into the game rules. But they're both like, we could just leave this lighthouse. And then they just became private detectives. And I was like, when is USA making this show? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, it's perfect. Um, so I, yeah, and it, it, it runs the gamut. But again, um, we gave people the toolbox to sort of make those decisions and Shape that cooperatively as it happens. Is
0: it a is it a decision that they are making, um or is it or is it a decision that the game largely makes for? Uh, let me rephrase this. Uh, you're launching your game on the thirty first of October. We'll just click yes. a few more times, right? But but yeah, the in theme, if you're like, man, I want to play. You always lived in the lighthouse, but we want to do it as a horror game, right? And you, if you walked into it with that intentionality, does the will the game allow for that sort of like? We're going to play a horror round of this. Yes. Here's the reality. Uh, cool. Yep.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it is. it is. So, uh, again, I, I use the word toolbox very intentionally. Yeah. Um, when I'm designing games, that's how I design them. Is like this is, this is a toolbox, right? It is up to you to build what you want with the tools that have been provided for you. And now I can give you structure and focus um, and a framework that you can use. I think of the Sears catalog where, like, people used to be able to, like, order houses and then they would just like get shipped and they would just put them all together it's it's very much like that like i can give you the framework of the house it is up to you to fill the house in the way that you want it to be filled Mm. um and so that's why like i'm listening to my playtest feedback and like i've got the adventures of double bog detective and i've also got oh god this is an eldritch apocalypse and it's just this lighthouse keeper with one very rusty bolt-action rifle and this half-dead uh, like myrrh creature from beyond the depths struggling to survive against something that is far larger and more powerful than the both of them so it's very it, it's gonna vary from player to player but again the framework is there for them to build the story they want
0: do you think um, one thing that I found with my own delves into one player one GM or two players um, or watching I've watched some some of this played online in different live streams, I think a lot of times it has the tendency to like, I was going to say the word philosophical. I don't know that that's 100% where it is, but the idea of like very quickly, we establish a shorthand to our conversation that allows us at as that, that shorthand that, or, or maybe the idea of, because it's just us and we don't have to communicate, we don't have to expand our realm of communication to incorporate other. Um, we are, we find I find it that largely the conversations get very like weirdly abstract about concrete things. And we hone in more on the essence of, 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 of individuals or like philosophical or theological ideas. If you're playing a fantasy game, right? Like, and you're the GM and you're, you have just your cleric show up. The cleric may yeah. not really be a cleric cleric for 99 other sessions but then you get them honed in as a one-on-one experience and immediately it's more of a the npcs that they interact with and the conversations that you choose to have the choices that they ch- tend to have have these this additional weight. it, it to,
1: becomes like a reflection on the divine yeah in a lot of ways
0: in the same way i could i could imagine here where you got the creature the other the entity the the dark and uh, the 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 unknowable or the abstract coming up from the depths to meet at the lighthouse. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of possibility for like really abstract or bizarre lines of conversation that can manifest from that.
1: And that's, and truthfully, right. When you talk about the esoteric, this, a lot of the things that I, I'm, so I used to run uh, Dungeons and Dragons games as like a part-time job Um, and I, and I had been playing for I gosh, I probably started playing D anD D when I was eight. I picked up a a monster manual in my public library, and I taught myself how to play. Yeah. Um. Which, yeah, which is I I realized a very similar experience. I thought I was unique in that, and then I started talking to other GMS, and they're like, "Oh yeah, man! Like we all started cobbling together stuff as best." I'm like, "Oh my God, there are dozens of us." Um, yes. But you you talked about like it can become the esoteric, or it can become this philosophical discussion, right? Um. I think ultimately that's an awesome thing yes um at least for me as a a gm or as a player i I love those conversations right because when we've when we've got those it means that the player at the table who's having that conversation has really honed in on what's important to their character right and do you think it's
0: like also a like like by by you and i setting aside kyle and zach for a moment and now we're keeper and creature it allows us to approach uh, elements of conversations that probably Kyle and Zach it would never be a, long, could. a
1: long road yeah. to get to those in any other way. Absolutely. And I think that's ultimately why I've kept making games for as long as I have, um, is because there's something magic about a game in that if you get someone who's invested, who buys into what they're doing, who buys into that um, relationship that it forms at the table, um, they are able to sort of shed a lot of the societal expectations or maybe even the the societal worries that prevent them from having the kind of conversations they want to have or maybe need to have um and that's that's magic at least to me that feels like sorcery right mm-hmm. um, And that's part of again that was something that I have seen because I obviously <laughs> I played my game but like when I when I played with another player I was like, oh my god like we're not talking about, Uh, keeper and creature necessarily we're just talking about two people who are really concerned about what's important to them um or when i'm listening to some of my playtests, i'm like oh my god these are two people honing on like what brings them joy um or or like what kind of relationship that they're finding together um and that's that's why that's the magic of it at least to me um all of the systems i build are designed to kind of get people past the all right here's my d20 what does my stat modifier do and goes right into to use your example oh my god like why am i a cleric at all what is my connection to this divine being and why does that matter um and that's really i i I love that like that's that's just it's the best it's
0: interesting you brought that up um so we we were talking before the recording about uh different shows that we've been to in the past Mm -hmm. few months and one of the shows that that i just got back from was new york city comic-con where i Showcased uh, me and a couple other guys showcased the new Marvel RPG to about a thousand different people playing through our table over the past few days, and one of the things that we commented on is like it's so easy with that Marvel game to jump from jump like side steer around the character sheet from minute one with role play because when you're Spider Man, it doesn't matter if you're seven years old or seventy. Like if I say you're Spider Man, you're running into Central Park, chasing down the Sinister Six. You've cornered Vulture. What do you do? Like nobody feels the need to look at. Very few people feel the need to look at that character sheet. They're like, right. I'm Spider Man. I'm going to shoot webs at him, and or try to catch him up, or I'm going to You know, whatever, whatever they imagine. But everybody has something sure. that they imagine Spider Man and it's like this fast track to a role play, to a immersion that that isn't seen in maybe DD or things that way i've taught D to a lot of new people and everybody wants to look at that sheet i think that yeah. this is kind of like it's not the same because lighthouse isn't about like we all know who we all know a lighthouse keeper um we don't um right. so it's that it's the other end of it but it's almost like maybe for the maybe for a, a different type of person with a different type of mindset or for the advanced gamer i say advanced that's a, that's not a fair word, but whatever. It's, but but the idea being that like yeah. Marvel is the great entry point for n- people who haven't touched a dice before to get into role mm-hmm. play. Lighthouse is almost like, let's obscure a lot of the math so that we can get there um, and, and that's get to the same place, yeah. but maybe through
1: a, through a, a, a weird angle. And that's purposely kind of how it's designed, right? So um, I'm going to use the Marvel example that you gave me because it's a good one. Because I think the reason that Marvel has done so well and DC has struggled, at least in terms of movies, um, other than Batman, and there's a reason for that, I think, is that Marvel is really good at creating human superheroes. When you think about Spider-Man's struggles, at least for me, and when I talk to people who like Spider-Man, the struggles are never of the superhero variety. It is, Aunt May's not doing well mary J and i are on the ropes uh rent is due yeah. i got my boss breathing down my neck these are human struggles yeah. um rpgs the best ones are vehicles to talk about and explore human struggles hmm. and that's really kind of and you so i designed the lighthouse so that it didn't have to be for advanced role-playing game people to, yeah. to, 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 right? Yeah. um because there there's a certain theme uh, like the idea of a lighthouse conjures a lot of isolation Yep. Um, and what happens when you're isolated, and then you're suddenly confronted with another person? Well, all of a sudden, in within the setting in the rule set, now we have a vehicle to have a conversation, mm. right? Um, and that's why it's I love the I love the use of, of Marvel that you brought up, because I think that's what it does best, is it's a vehicle for human conversation. And that's really what we tried to do with Lighthouse. Now, hopefully, everybody resonates with it. Maybe everybody, maybe some people won't. But um, I ultimately, I think that that's like the big trick. And the reason I went with cards and not dice is I'm always trying to figure out how do I get people to, to do what you talked about? Like, how do I get them away from this character sheet? How do I get them away from these numbers? How do I get them away from the crunch? And how do I get them to have that conversation? And when I teach Dungeons and Dragons or any role-playing game to new players, um, the first thing that they immediately get flustered with, especially if they're brand new is like, oh my gosh, there's so many dice what do i do with them all and i have to check the numbers to the sheet and but everybody has seen a, a deck of playing cards mm-hmm. and i was like i'm like that so immediately there's one layer taken away from somebody who's new to this or maybe wants to have those conversations wants to try that type of role playing um it might be a little afraid to
0: and i'll be i'll, I'll be I'll, I'll kind of maybe speak for both of us here but i'll, I'll definitely speak for myself and say that like I, I love a good crunchy game. I love that. Yeah. But for a new player or for a specific type of experience, I don't want crunch to be the thing that you run up against before you get anything mm-hmm. else. Right. Yeah. Um, crunch is great, but it, it's not, it shouldn't be. It's the bones on the ribs, right? Yes. Like it's not the meat. wonderful. And you want yeah. that. And it, you know, sometimes you just want a bone to gnaw on. Right. But, yeah. but, we would all be angry if we just got a plate of bones. Right? Just a plate of bones. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 on the flip. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've carried that. No, that's metaphor. a good, no, that's
1: a great, no, that's yeah. a great analogy yeah. though. Cause it's like, and it's, it goes the same way too. Like you have to have some bone to have some structure to the lid. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, so you can't have like, this isn't just, and again, that that's the struggle, right? Like this book isn't just like, here's some tips for conversations. Like you can google those you don't need yeah. like so there, there has to be some rules there has to be some crunch to it uh, but for me as a role player right like I, i'm okay getting to crunch later sure um but if i get your buy-in now mm-hmm. for your character i can teach you the crunch down the line if you care about bobbling the goblin i can yeah. i can get you to do all the cool rogue stuff later exactly. right if i get you to care about um your sentient angler fish that really is just attracted by bright lights and is no harm to anybody despite the fact that it looks like a terrifying demon monster um then i can get you to care about the rules a little bit maybe not further down the line but i can get the rules to matter to you later but and i need time your investment place, now right? time and yeah, a place. exactly like, like
0: like i want you to we we just got done i say just got done it's probably been months but we just got done doing a dune rpg campaign and oh yeah like there are times that, that was a fantastic experience but there are times where it's like my objective for this session is that no one rolls any dice. Right. And that mm-hmm. we just are having the, the fun politics and intrigue that comes from that Dune world. And there's other times where it's like, we have built this entire session so that you will be rolling dice and using your character sheet. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, neither one of those is a bad, as a bad choice, but there is was definitely, like definitely if you feel like you have to have it all at all times, you're going to miss out on, very interesting opportunities where you just shove aside rules for a second or conversely great opportunities where the rules actually facilitate resolution Mm -hmm. um yeah and and help you apply that focus that we're talking
1: about and and i think part of that is too knowing who you're playing with and knowing what the people you're playing with want out of that experience and need out of that experience which again is why i deliberately use the word a conversation because you know, if you and I are playing White House, that experience is probably gonna be shifting and changing. And as a meta level, you might be like, I'm trying to get this one set of cards because I want to add a big conflict. And I might be like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you should probably ask me if I have any threes. Yeah. <laughs> so I can get you, right. Yeah. So and, and again, that, there's a reason right I wanted a, a more conversation based storytelling game is because it lets us kind of shape it how we want. So if you and I wanna go crunch, we can we can lean into those rules to tell the story that we want or, or let's be real here i mean i'm definitely guilty of ignoring the rules as written of an rpg mm-hmm. about a million like what do i when i i vividly remember teaching a D camp and the one kid's like they're staging an ambush in a forest and the kid's like oh darn it and i was like i didn't even he's just off by himself I'm like what's wrong buddy And he goes man scorching ray doesn't cause fire cause fire to happen in objects he's like i was gonna set fire to the tops of these trees to distract them and i was like that's right. stupid just do that I'm yeah. in. <laughs> I'm yeah. in. Like that's such yeah. a cool idea, dude. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Long answer, short question. Crunch is good. Fluff is good. It's just figure out when, when, and how to implement it. And I, I'd like to think that's what we did well. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, so let's um, let's 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 uh, we're kind of getting to the end of our of our discussion time here. So let's see. Um, as we're gearing up, we're having this conversation about a week before you go live.
1: Yes. So, Seven so days as the yes. time of recording. <laughs>
0: what does all right, we've 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 presented the experience. What is the product here? Like, what what are you, what are you pitching on Kickstarter?
1: So uh, there's a couple different levels, but uh, primarily what we're pitching is the book, which they can get in both PDF, soft cover, and hard cover form at different prices. Um, the one thing I try to be sensitive to is, I know times are tough for a lot of folks, so we try to give them at least a range of options. Yeah. Um, and they are going to get a discount if they back during the Kickstarter, as opposed to like if they were going to get them later on um, through their retailer through your friendly local game store uh, also shout out to all the friendly local game stores please make sure you're supporting your friendly local game stores no mm-hmm. uh, they're great not that i don't love mm-hmm. getting your money directly customers but like if you have a friendly local game store who carries desks and Torx products please just get them from them that's 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 more important yeah. um so that so the, basically the, the core of it is of course the book and then uh what we do have as well is a custom deck of playing cards Um, that is designed with that lighthouse motif uh, done by our phenomenal graphic designer, Hannah Potts. Um, And I fell in love with them, I think, like the second, like I told her about the project. And then I woke up the next morning and there were uh, three like screenshot images in my email inbox. And she's like, so I stayed up late. (laughs) Um, And like, like all of the suits are like this tentacle that's coiled around the lighthouse and it looks like it's like trying to grab the lighthouse, but it's in the shape of the suit that it is. Oh, cool. I'm doing a terrible job of describing it, but it's a re- It's it's just it's just chef's kiss. It's really good. So um, those will be available too uh, if people want a custom deck of playing cards. Um, I will say the only inside baseball thing is I tried to get them waterproof, but you guys would not believe how expensive it is to manufacture waterproof playing cards that's that's uh i believe it i believe it oh yeah yes. i tried i tried so hard was like how cool to be able to play the game about sea monsters in the water with waterproof playing cards and people yeah. like we can't do it. and i'm like i can't do it um but yeah so it's the three books and then the deck of playing cards and then there are some other tiers uh for retailers as well and then i tier if you want to actually design one of those schemas with me uh we got a couple of those tiers too so if people are interested in uh hopping into the chair and uh, maybe designing a sea monster and a keeper or a creature and a keeper to to go in the book. So yeah. Very cool. So now
0: uh Kickstarter's launching obviously this is October 31st of 2023. Um yes. right let's say that you're listening to this you're stumbling across this podcast or the show later um and you're like oh this sounds cool. This Kickstarter's already wrapped obviously yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna wink wink nudge nudge you again to the world of game design store uh, yes. store dot com. But also um where can they typically find kyle and or kyle products other than store.wagd.com?
1: uh so uh you can get all of our stuff over at desksanddorks.org uh, um if you are a physical book person um so after the kickstarter goes live um what's going to happen is uh so we've, we've given ourselves about five six months after the kickstarter to deliver the products to backers mm-hmm. um and the products will not be sold anywhere else until they are delivered to all of our backers that's the that's just how desks and dorks does it. If you backed it, you get it first, and then we go to distribution and retailers uh, from there. But uh, if you are missing this Kickstarter, you can get it at desksanddorks.org if you want a physical copy. Um, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug World of Game Design. Hopefully, we'll be carrying us uh, post Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it from there as well. Um, you can also get it from our friends over at IPR. Um, and finally, if you are a PDF person, because I know there's a lot of people who are like, my life is full of too much clutter. Um, I, I want a digital PDF, I want a high quality digital PDF, um, I would direct you to uh, either the World of Game Design has our digital stuff, but also um, Desks and Dorks has an HIO page, um, which we'll be carrying some stuff too. So. perfect so that
0: sounds like like late spring ish of next year yes if you,
1: if yep. 2024 if you are i can this, yeah. i can let everybody know uh we've given ourselves till april of 2024 gotcha. or august of 2020 yeah april of 2024 we gave ourselves about five five months yeah uh, to deliver on that kind of stuff so perfect,
0: perfect. okay yep. awesome sauce well kyle thank you so much for hanging out with me That's yeah great it's a nice nice like i just got back settled in um, and like one of the first things on my to-do list was like, sit down, have a conversation with you. And it feels yes. like I'm still like halfway at a con hanging out in the evening time with, with cool folks and having fun conversations. So
1: appreciate I, it. I, I appreciate it, man. This was a, this was a, you asked some really good questions and got me thinking about some of the, the nitty gritty stuff for the design. So I, I really appreciate it, man. That was, this was super fun. Um, Yeah, that's, again, super appreciated, man. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, folks, go check out You Have Always Lived in the Lighthouse
0: on Kickstarter. We'll have the link in the show notes. Check out Kyle and all the rest of the stuff. You can check it out on our web store. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Until next time, we'll see you soon.